And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This morning was a kind of a difficult sermon in one sense. You really had to follow along, but I was trying to build a case, and hopefully by the time I got through all the cross-referencing and things like that, it was an accumulative argument that had some force toward the end that convinced you that Jesus is using the Old Testament to interpret himself and connecting his person, his identity, who he is, and his work, his vocation, what he came to do with things uh, in the Old Testament. Ted reminded me, or asked me after the sermon, if I was going to continue on with a bronze serpent, because you remember what happened to it. It became an object of worship. Oops. Um, I'm not going to do that, but just so you know, if you keep reading in the numbers story, it's a, it's, it's, it's a bad ending. Something that was typological of Christ became an object of, of worship by, by the Old Testament people of God. Interesting. So this statement by our Lord is monumental. Now the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would die. Death by being lifted up from the earth. Death by crucifixion. What was the uh, theological meaning behind the crucifixion? What was happening theologically? What was God doing through the death of Christ? So it's three words. They're wonderful words. It was a penal death. That is, he died under the justice of God. It was a penalty for sin, his death was. It was a vicarious death. That is, in the place or stead of others, in my place condemned he stood, uh, says the line in the hymn. And it was expiatory. I closed my eyes on purpose because it was coming. Expiatory. That is, it is, it removed guilt from one party and placed it on another so as to propitiate, turn the wrath of God from us to the Son of God. And he signified that kind of death by saying, if I be lifted up from the earth. And so what I did is I tried to remind you that there's son of man language in John 12. There's uh, being lifted up language in John 12. And so I asked the question, does Jesus use this language elsewhere? And he does. John 3. That's why I went over to John 3 to show you that he connects his person, but primarily his work, what he came to do. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Regeneration, eternal life, and all this stuff. Jesus says, here's how they can be. I'm going to be, as the serpent was lifted up in the the wilderness, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so on a grander level, I'm going to be lifted up from the earth. But looking at the serpent gave only temporal life. Looking at Christ or believing the gospel gives one eternal life. The serpent didn't earn a quality of life better than they were experiencing that at the time. The incarnate Son of God did. So he connects uh, his person and his work with the Old Testament. The serpent raised up by Moses in the wilderness, but also with the Son of Man passage, Daniel chapter 7, and the lifting up language with 
Isaiah 53, uh, 52 and 53. So all that I did this morning, trying to connect some dots for you and then just go back and read the John text. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth in fulfillment of the type that of the serpent raised up on a pole in the wilderness, I'm the fulfillment of that. I'm the antitype. Antitypes are always, fulfillments are always greater than their types. Temporal life, eternal life, okay? Um, he connects all those things, and so I tried to connect him and then say, if I am, if I am lifted up from the earth, we'll draw all peoples to myself. And then I, at the end, just read some other verses. Christ Jesus came into the world to be lifted up from the earth to save sinners. So I have three contemplations. I think it's three. Oh, it's four. Very brief. First of all, Jesus' answer to Nicodemus, going back to uh, chapter 3, reflects Jesus' view of his relationship to the Old Testament. Jesus' answer to Nicodemus, how can these things be, reflects Jesus' view of his relationship to the Old Testament. So he is the promised one who would suffer, who would be lifted up to die, who would be lifted up and exalted to heaven, who would be given an eternal kingdom and be given citizens of that kingdom as a result of his obedience. Listen to Isaiah 53. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, Now my soul is troubled. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. All that the Father has given to me will come to me. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul. Now my soul is troubled. He will see it and be satisfied. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Penal, vicarious, expiatory. They're right there in Isaiah 53. And I didn't need anyone's help. He will bear their iniquities. So... What I said here is Jesus' answer to Nicodemus reflects Jesus' view of his relationship to the Old Testament. But our Lord's answer to Nicodemus also helps us understand John 12, 32, right? Jesus' answer to Nicodemus helps us understand Jesus' relation to the Old Testament. Jesus' answer to Nicodemus also helps us understand John 12, 32, Second contemplation, Jesus' answer to Nicodemus is good news for sinners. Um, How can these things be? Regeneration, the gift of eternal life, all those things. After Jesus answers that question, probably the most famous verse in the Bible occurs. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse is connected to this serpent being lifted up by Moses in the wilderness language. But our Lord's answer to Nicodemus also helps us understand not only the good news for sinners, but it helps us to understand John 12, 32 as well. 
So we're using John 3 to help us understand John 12, 32. And then also the words of John 3, 14 help us understand John 12, 32 in these specific ways. Our Lord is that to which the bronze serpent lifted up in the wilderness pointed. He is also the son of man, Daniel 7, who was promised to be given a kingdom of sinners upon being lifted up, Isaiah 52 and 53. See what the New Testament in one sense does? It kind of just connects all the dots of the Old Testament through the narrative of our Lord's earthly ministry. Being lifted up to die, he is now in the business of populating his kingdom by drawing sinners to himself. And next week, another contemplation, uh, an exposition in contemplation. I will draw all peoples to myself. What does that mean? Because, if, again, if we use John to help us understand Jesus' words, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Then Peter cast out his net and drew in a lot of fish. What does draw mean? Can you see fish in a net going, oh, you got me in the net, I'll give up. You ever put a fish in a net? They don't give up, do they? Is that what we're supposed to, is this like people are coming against their will, like fish in a net? Or something else, so we'll have to figure out what that is. Whatever it is, it's good news, it's not bad news. All three of these results of Christ being lifted up from the earth, it's not bad news unless you're an unbeliever. But it's always good news for those who believe the promises. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please help us to love it, to understand it, to take these things home with us. May they constantly remind us of your goodness toward us. You're way better than we'll ever know, and we're way worse than we'll ever know. Christ is a worthy object of our praise and service. Help us. Bless now as we sing praises, as we take the supper together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.